Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. Guess we should open in a word of prayer. I guess. Uh, thank you, God, for this opportunity. Thank you for so much you've given us. Yeah, so much I don't deserve. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for this church. Like Kyle talked about, so many this world is trying to take away what we have of the church and our freedoms of it. And I thank you that they've tried and they're trying, but they haven't done it yet. So many countries that we're not allowed to assemble, but here we are. And I thank you so much for that. I just beg you to help me. Not say anything stupid or anything you want me to say. Be with me and just help me. Fill me with the Holy Ghost and just. Because if you're not here, God, it's a waste of time. Thank you for all you've done. Amen. Not the best prayer either. Uh, <clears throat> um, we're going to be in uh, the book of Matthew. Uh, chapter 6 is where we're going to be starting. <laughs> My last sermon was about the greatness of God. His power and stuff like that. And I think it's really hard to talk about anything of God, not mentioning all three of the main things He's known for. But this one's going to be focusing on the goodness of God, since the last one was talking on His power. <coughs> and it'll be uh, Matthew six twenty-five. Are we there? Amen. Therefore I say unto you, <coughs> sorry. Take no thought for your life. What? Oh, sorry. Um, take no thought. Yes, I'm already a great start. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what, sh what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on it. Is not the life more than the meat, and the body than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into a barn. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much more than them than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment, considering the lilies of the field, and how they grow, they toil not, nor do they spin? And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What ye shall eat, or what shall we drink, or whether shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need for all of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all that all those things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient of the day is the evil thereof. We clearly see here there's a lot of needs. I don't think anyone knows that we can't go by a day, sorry, a day go by without having something, something to eat, something to wear. Right. Yet so many of us sit here and wonder what tomorrow will hold. But we see clearly here Jesus listing off a bunch of things, needs of clothing and food and water, and saying how the fowl of the air, God takes care of them. Even the lilies of the field, does God take care of them? And saying clearly here, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
I think it's very obvious when we worry and we toil and we struggle, we don't just trust God, we can lose sight of Him and what He has for us. And the topic here, I guess my first point here is He supplies our every need. You can clearly see, I can't talk for you, but I know that there's not a day, go by, that day that goes by that I'm not fed, clothed, have something to drink, have a bed that's far better than I deserve, a roof over my head, everything I need is there. <clears throat> now, we just moved, don't know how many of you know that, but the house we have is not the greatest. The water pressure is here and there. It's fun when you're taking a shower and you get blasted with hot water or cold water. But everything considered, it's far more than I need, far more than I deserve. I could be, but thank my father, you mom said that, we could be underneath the bridge. Anyway. <laughs> I agree, we could be somewhere far worse. But God has given us this home. I'll, I'll admit it, it's not the greatest home in the world, but it's far more than I need. We still have an oven to cook food. We still have a place to sleep, a place to put my clothes. I can still do my school and read my Bible, but there's more than I need. So, he's better than us than we deserve, very clearly. And I'm not saying it's easy, but I don't think we should worry about tomorrow, for it takes, for tomorrow thinks of itself. Sorry, I'm misquoting that. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. And I, like I said, I understand it's not easy just to not think about it. But I don't think we should worry as much as we do. We should put our life in God's hands. We should trust Him in what He has for us. My life hasn't been very long, clearly, but through all of it, there has been stuff that I didn't know what would happen. But God has done it. And I'm not saying this so I make myself sound spiritual. I'm not. I'm not where close I need to be. But, I don't know how long ago it was, but I was having a surgery on my heart. And to avoid opening my chest, they were going to go and use a catheter up to this large vein in my leg. And the first thing I did when I woke up was I thanked God. Amen. I was sitting there thanking Him, thinking it was over and it was done. And I wouldn't have to do it, go through it ever again. And then the doctor came in and said they couldn't do it. That it wasn't going to work. But still, I made it. I could have not left the operating table. And this moves on to my next point. That he's in control. It was hard to try to get sleep that night. But I did. God helped me with that. And like I said, the surgery didn't go well. It didn't go the way it was supposed to, but like I said, I made it. It may have been hard to walk for the next couple of days. They may have had to shave all the hair off my body so that they could do surgery, which was not embarrassing at all. But I was still alive. I still could go on. And then the next surgery I had, it was awful. Once the anesthesia whoop kicked in, it was very hard to see what was going on. It was very nerve-wracking, and then I woke up. It hurt a lot, a lot. And I was sitting there bawling because the first thing I did was it not thank God, at least as far as I thought. And I felt awful. But then my mom told me that while I was still under the effects of anesthesia, I did give him thanks, which made me feel a lot better. <laughs> but like I said, I'm not very spiritual. I'm not trying to say that, but still. I know that God is in control of more than I can ever imagine. And that worrying isn't going to do any good. If we go to the next chapter, I'm in chapter 8, verse 23. 
enough about me. I should start with the Bible. <clears throat> and when his disciples were entered into a ship, sorry, and when, and when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, and so much that the sea was covered with the waves. Sorry, the ship was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the waves, winds and the waves, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Yeah. <laughs> Clearly he was in very much control. He didn't have to do anything but speak, and the sea and the wind calmed. This might sound a little cheesy, but I have it written down here. <laughs> Even in the storm, God is still in control. No matter how dark it may get, no matter how hard it may be able to hard it may be to see, God knows what tomorrow holds. God knows what's going to happen. And I think it's a very big comfort that somebody worries about tomorrow, doesn't know what's going to happen. And we see the disciples who've been with Jesus with over many miracles still having doubts and being fearful. I don't think this is anything deep or crazy, but we should try our best not to be fearful, not to have doubts on God. For what He did tomorrow, He can do today, and He can do yesterday. I'm trying to think of something. But it's amazing how much care God puts into each day. Even the days that we don't do much, God still plans every single action. It makes something. Maybe that day was very calm and very lackluster for you, but some other side of the world may have had some trial or struggle they had to go through that God helped them and supplied them. And it's amazing that a God that powerful and that can see all that would take the time to help us with our own day. That was our struggles and what we go through. The fact that you would even want a relationship with us all is amazing. Like I said, it's amazing, though, how he does so much. And that nothing was a mistake, nothing he did was by accident. Jesus didn't stumble upon the um, lunatic in the wilderness. Uh, what's the wilderness? Yeah, he didn't stumble upon any of these things by accident. It was all planned, and he's, like I said, he's always in control. He didn't just happen to stop by the well of Samaria. He planned it. Each day is in God's hand, and if we take too much time worrying about tomorrow and not doing what God told us to think first of the kingdom of heaven, then that day is just a waste. Yeah. Like I said, it's a very short message. I'm right on my third point. Um, we're going to go back to chapter 8 and verse 1 through 4. And this topic is, He is humble. And we see that even though He is the God of everything, created the very dust of this world, and holds our very lives in His hand, the fact that He would come to have, come from heaven, leave His throne, and have a relationship with us, to die on a cross for us, is, in fact, it's humbling to me to think that a God of heaven would do that, but that He has such, he, that He was so humble. And we see here in chapter 1, verse, chapter 8, verse 1, when He came down from the mountain, 
great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leopard and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou will, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be, sorry, I will be thou clean. And immediately he, his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said unto him, he didn't say, go tell everyone. Let everyone know that was me that did this. He said, see, that, see thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. And this wasn't him saying, go tell the priest what happened, what I did. It was him telling him, go tell the priest that you're cleansed of your leprosy. Give the offering that you need so you can become a member of society again. Never once did he ever say, go tell him what I did, that I did this. But he told him not to go, not to tell him. And the only thing he cared about was that he was able to come back from society, that they weren't going to shun him because of his disease anymore. And I think that a God is that powerful, yet that humble, is amazing. And if we go to Matthew 9, verse, chapter 9, verse 27, there's another instance of him being humble. And when Jesus departed, thence two blind men followed him, crying and saying, saying, Yes, thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus saw, saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, seeing, saying, According to your faith be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus shortly charged them, saying, See thou no man know it. Yet again, a great miracle that he could take all the credit for, because he did do it. It was his grace and his glory, and no one else's. But he told him not to tell anyone. <clears throat> it's amazing. Like I said, this is not a very long message, not very deep, and I'm sorry, but I'm trying. But it's funny how, number one, Jesus always gets the recognition he deserves. But they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all the country. And they went out, behold, they brought a man. Sorry, I'm reading far past what I was supposed to do. But still. Jesus never ever has to boast in himself. The world does it for him. If they don't, I can't remember the verse off the top of my head. If they don't sing my praises, the stones would scream out. I feel like I've probably misquoted that. And there's my final point. He is compassionate. I think it's very obvious that he's compassionate with the leopards. Leopards. Lepers. And the cross itself shows his compassion, that he would bear that. And there's a verse where he says, if you can take this cup from me. But that's not him saying, I don't want to do this. The only reason why he was hesitant, and I don't really think that's the right word, isn't because he wasn't willing to die for us. It was that the separation from God was what he feared. And it's sad to say that he cared so much to be separated from God for three days when we live in a world where so-called Christians can be fine for months at a time without having a relationship with God. But if we turn to chapter 9, verse 33. Well, I think I'm in the wrong place, sorry. It was chapter 11, 32, sorry. <clears throat> Verse 
Oh, I'm in the wrong place. I am so sorry. It's John. Sorry for having me all over the place. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was, and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. When, there, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit, and was troubled, and said unto her, said, and said, sorry, where, where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Now, I think this is even more just telling of his compassion, is that he wasn't like Mary. He wasn't like any of the Jews that followed, that just thought, Lazarus is gone, and I'm not going to be able to see him for a very long time. Jesus knew what he was going to do with Lazarus. He knew he was going to bring him back from the dead. But just seeing them in that agony made him upset, made him wept. And it's the same with us. He may know how the story ends and what happens, and everything working for the good of those who love God. I feel like I misquote that too. But still, he has compassion on us. Even though he knows how the story ends, doesn't mean he's avoid of any feelings of grief when he sees us in struggles and trials. And it's amazing that a God that holy and that powerful would die for such a worm as I. After all, the world is done, not even including what I have done. He would still die. Still bear the nails of Calvary and sit there while they mocked him and plucked his beard and smote him. It's amazing. They have a God that is so compassionate, yet the world would choose gods that don't care about them at all. And that was my last message. We dived into a lot of the greatness of God, comparing them. I don't really like using that word, but comparing him to other gods, seeing how great he is compared to them. This world has chosen, and it might just be because I am in my school, I'm learning, I don't know why, it's Christian school, but I'm still learning about other religions for some reason. How foolish so much of it is. So many other religions are based on works and deeds and being a certain way, but Jesus paid for it already. Now an ounce of what I can do, like the Old Testament the verse just said, get out onto his stature. Nothing I can do because it's already been done. Sorry. It's just amazing to me. And I went through it and read all the things over and over again. Buddhism, a lot of other ones I can't pronounce. Hinduism, there's so many I can't, we don't care. All of them have some way of work-based salvation. But no matter how hard we try, we can't. None of us, no, not one, is good enough. And the people will spend their lives worshiping idols and false vessels that cannot do anything. Who have mouths and cannot speak and have eyes they cannot see and ears they cannot hear. I don't remember the exact name, but it's in the Old Testament when the um, Ark of the Covenant got stolen. I can't remember the, is it Belial? Belial. He kept falling over. Never once did the ark tip over. 
Never once did God ever need someone to pick him up. This world worships things, even if they don't say it. They worship something. And all those things cannot do anything, especially compared to Jesus Christ, who gave us so much and so much compassion that He was willing to take our place. Seeing every sin that was and is and will, and He still took it. He still took my place. And no matter how many times I fail Him, I think I should just give up. I just, I can't. I don't have strength to quit. They stop after everything He's given me. And I just want to try my best, and I think it's, we should. We should not worry about tomorrow. We should focus on today. For if we don't focus on the day and do what we can, then it all is a waste. And I thank God for this opportunity, because I don't deserve it. I felt like I was going to waste this. I wasn't going to be good enough. And I hope God did something, because if, if He didn't, this, I shouldn't even be here. I shouldn't have come. But I thank for the opportunity. I thank for God using me as much as He can. As much. Amen. And I think we all should try our best. To see His humbleness, His compassion, and that He's always in control no matter what. And never ever, as much as we can, because we're all still human, worry about tomorrow and focus on today and the kingdom of God. Thank you. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.